0: This is a real blessing in going through Revelation. It really is. I've said that before, and I hope that it's encouraging you to get into it yourself and really dig out what the Lord wants to teach you about Himself. I'm beginning to feel that this is my favorite book. And of course, I said that about Hebrews a while back when we were going through that. But we do have a wonderful book here, a treasure that we should value with our life. I would like to know how many people have died for this book or because of this book. It is really a blessing. So I've titled this The Response to the Lamb two Revelation eight six to nine twenty one. So open your mouth wide, the Bible says, and I will fill it. That's what we're gonna gulp down this morning, Lord willing. Okay? Here we go. Here's the verse that we read every Sunday that we go through Revelation. Let's read it together. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Today, I think, we'll begin to see that the horrifying things that Revelation is talking about are actually to highlight to spotlight and to put in front of us an understanding that we have a life, of eternal life, but we as believers in Jesus Christ have a hope and a future in front of us regardless of what happens in this world. That's what this message is about. And it's our response in receiving that word and understanding of what our position is as believers in a world that is flying apart. So listen carefully to what we are saying and then go back home and dig through it again yourself. And put yourself in that place of this set of verses and chapters. We're not going to read through all of this passage like I normally do, but I I wanted to back up a little bit to chapter 7 and verse 17. We've mentioned this a couple times before, but I think we need to remind ourselves because we need to go forward with that mindset, with that expectation, with that inspiration, the strength. It's like putting on a pair of glasses. You'll be able to look at the situation much differently if you put your glasses on and see what God has for us who believe in the Lamb. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I think that there's going to be a lot of tears in our eyes of joy, and that's what mine are. The Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. Let's read this together. I'd like us to memorize it. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and will guide them to springs of water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's not forget this. Our response to the Lamb. That's what this book of Revelation is telling us. It's not about a scary book. You've got to have the reason for putting our trust and our response in the Lamb. It's kind of like a very beautiful picture of some landscape or of a waterfall, a horse running. Just think of anything. But around it is a frame. Whoever goes to a gallery, an art gallery, and looks at the frame. Tell me this. In the picture in Revelation, let's think of it as a picture. What's the first thing that you see in the picture? Or what is attractive to you in Revelation, if you think of it as a picture? Jesus Christ is the frame. That's what you see. And he sets off the picture that is contained there. Because in the picture, that's where the action is. That's what kind of grabs you and either you say, ooh, that's ugly. Ooh, that's a scary picture. Or, oh, I love the tone of that. But it is Jesus Christ. And most pictures are framed in what? Plastic? Wood. I'm wondering have you ever thought that that's the book of Revelation? And that's what it's about. It's about the Lamb, who was sacrificed, and who makes all of this to make sense. Without the Lamb, this book is really just a bunch of stuff happening. But what is the meaning of it? Where is it going? What is the purpose of it? It has to be that it's got meaning, otherwise, did I tell you this a few weeks a few weeks ago I think I did that Martin Luther Martin Luther said revelation should not be in the Bible and a couple other books he said should not be there I mean I respect Lutherans I respect what Martin Luther did for the church in setting us free from the bondage of human works to try to get your salvation. I'm for that. But, you know, like me, Martin Luther is flawed. And so I have to disagree with Martin Luther that Revelation is there and has to be there in our Bibles. And we need to read it that way. Okay, I'm finished with my introduction. I'm asking the questions, two questions. What is judgment? And what is repentance? Those are two words that are not very popular among Christians, particularly in our day and age. In John 17, to 5, it says, Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. What is judgment? In Revelation 8, 6 to nine twenty one, and I said we're not going to read that thoroughly because it's a long section. But I do want to pick out some verses here, so that we get a context. Just in case there's someone here that hasn't read this before. When the lamb broke the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven for about half an hour. We talked about that last week. And that silence was so quiet, so long, it says half an hour, 30 minutes you could hear a pin drop, an absolute silence. Let's jump down to, then, we're talking about trumpets. What a contrast. There was absolute silence in heaven. Not any papers rattling or little baby crying or enjoying her mom. But there was absolute silence. But the next seven heralds, or announcements of what is happening in heaven, were trumpets. They're kind of a noisy instrument. Can you play a trumpet just as soft as what a violin can play? No, a trumpet is made to make loud noise. That's the part they have in an orchestra. And so, the trumpets in Revelation, there's seven of them, are important because they are declaring news. In England, I think it is, the United States also happened, that when, they, well, they didn't have newspapers back in the olden days. So they had town criers, but oftentimes they had someone with a horn to get the attention of the villagers that something had happened or was going to happen and they had to get the news out and so they blasted on the trumpet. That is also true in war. Trumpets were used in war to announce an attack. Remember the famous story of Gideon and they blew their horns in the middle of the night and they broke the jars which had a flame in them and they attacked the enemy and overtook them by surprise by this loud shout and these people were overcome by the noise judgment on the earth is is something that these seven signs or trumpets are about it's to announce that God is going to do something or allow something to happen that will bring astonishment It'll bring us to a place of being able to understand why, why, why do we have people being killed and the blood being mixed together. Why is Revelation so gory? Because our lives are gory. Our lives are in disorder. And what has happened is that judgment is on the earth. And where did it come from? Why is the earth, with earthquakes, with famine, with locusts, with terror, why? Why can't we just have peace on earth? Why can't we just, all of us agree together, no wars, why? Judgment is on the earth because of what? Sin. Because of sin. God doesn't hate the world or even the earth. God is not condemning the earth. Well, you'll say, well, yeah, he did. In Genesis, God looked at the people of the world and saw that they were continually evil. And he told a man, Noah, I'm going to destroy everyone, but take your family and build a boat, because I see that you are a a righteous man. And he saved that family, but he destroyed the world. God, who made the world, destroyed what he had initially started out to make it a beautiful place. Why? Because of our sin. But did the flood get rid of sin? No, it didn't. That wasn't enough. In fact, how many years from the flood to the Tower of Babel? It was not very long. And God dispersed them, the people. In the earth, And so we are the ones that are propagating and promoting sin and judgment on the earth. And with the first trumpet, there was hail and fire mixed with blood. A third of the earth, trees and all the green grass burned up. And the second trumpet, like a great mountain of fire, a third of the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. And the third trumpet. A great star fell from heaven named Wormwood. Which actually means uh, bitter poison. Actually, it's used in medicine, but it can kill you if you eat it in a concentrated form. The fourth trumpet. A third of the sun, the moon, the stars were darkened during the day and even at night. Then there was three woes given. Those woes are intertwined with the trumpets. And so the fifth trumpet then sounds. And there's judgment on the ungodly. is the first woe. And there's this bottomless pit that is opened and locusts come out of hell and are released on the earth. And these locusts are not normal. They're like scorpions having power, but not the ability to kill. The sixth trumpet is the second woe. And in that one, there were four horns of the golden altar. And four angels were released to kill a third of mankind. That's what the trumpets are about about judgment because of our sin. How can we get rid of this? Does it take the United Nations to come together and everybody just say, let's have peace now? We've had the United Nations for how many years now? And there's diminishing peace. In fact, we're getting so mixed up, we don't know what peace really means. Jesus referred to Satan as a fallen star or an angel. When the disciples were able to command authority over the demons, the 70 disciples of Jesus came back rejoicing and say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus replied in verse 18, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this but that your names are recorded in heaven. Jesus was talking about this one scene of the fifth trumpet in the first woe. The bottomless pit being opened. Who opened the bottomless pit? Says the key was given to this fallen angel to open the bottomless pit. I think it was Satan. There was a discussion and a a question about that. But I think it was Satan for a while. And I don't know when that happens in the time scale. But he has destruction in mind. But he doesn't have authority to kill. Men kill. Satan does not. Is there a record anywhere in the Bible that says that Satan killed a person, can you think of any verse? There isn't, he doesn't have that authority. So in order for judgment coming from Satan, he's given the key to release these demons as locusts on the earth, to torment and not kill. I believe we're very close to this kind of a scenario worldwide. Scary, isn't it? Remember the picture frame? Remember the picture. The picture that John sees in heaven is not a pretty picture of these locusts and their faces like men and their long hair and they have tails that sting, but they can't kill. On their own authority. And the sixth trumpet is the second low. From the horns of the altar of the golden altar there come requests. I'll read this. Then the sixth angel sounded and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God. And one saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, day, month, and year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. God is the one who allows this to happen. Why? Because of their sin. Because of our sin of rebellion. And great judgment is coming on the earth because of that. But our second point here kind of turns a bit towards something that we can begin to relate to. There's another part in this picture that we need to grasp and see. And that is, what is repentance? And in the same sixth angel sequence, or the sixth trumpet, we see that there is something happening. And let's look at a psalm that will give us some idea of what repentance is really about. Oh, that the world would repent. Oh, that your older brother or sister or your mom and dad would repent and come to Jesus. Oh, that the world would be changed. But they can't be changed just by being good. There has to be repentance. And so Psalm 101, 1-3 says, I will sing of the loving kindness and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will give heed to the blameless way. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. Think on Psalm 101. It's a psalm of repentance, of coming to the Lord and realizing what condition we are. All of us need to repent. We need to have a heart of repentance. That's what makes us christians is repentance turning from our own sin and turning to him who would wash us clean and that's why he starts out with i will sing of loving kindness and justice to you O lord i will sing praises it's his loving kindness his faithfulness that draws us to him i hate the work of those who fall away It shall not fasten its grip on me. He nails it. Repentance is what we need in order to be free from the judgment of God. That goes from a very tiny thing of stealing a cookie to killing someone. God can forgive if there's a repentance. There's many stories of prisoners who have come to Christ, who have done heinous acts, and God has been able to forgive them. Because of repentance, they've turned to the life-giver, the Lamb, turning from idolatry, and then turning from ungodliness. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That's the instruction of Titus. That's the definition of repentance. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless need and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. The picture is that of a world that is full of sin, so much so that the holy God, our Lord Jesus Christ, Father God and the Holy Spirit can barely, barely hang on for Judgment Day. But what they're looking for, what God is looking for, is for us to turn. To turn our hearts toward Him. And that's how the inside picture can change. But the frame on the outside does not. And so, we can swap out that picture and put in a picture that speaks of forgiveness. We can walk in that joy and that understanding that when Jesus said, It is finished. When it is finished, it's all paid for. And all the world needs to do. like. Many of us in this room have already experienced. We repent and we receive the Lamb of God who has paid it all. It's already paid. You can go out the street and down Dory and find the first person there that you meet and say, You don't have to carry your own sin. You don't have to work anymore with that guilty feeling, that insufficient feeling. And Christian, you don't need to be under condemnation yourselves. The quickest solution for condemnation is repentance. And just coming to Jesus and saying, I have been looking too much to myself to make myself beautiful, perfect, achieved, Jesus, I come to you. You're the only one that can perfect. That's the picture we just looked at. And it's the cross, that wooden frame. Do you get the picture? Do you understand? Bless the Lord. We're free. Let's pray. Father, we, we rejoice in what you have done to redeem us, to bring us back as lost sheep and no power on our own to change. But just to turn around and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you right now. Thank you for your open ear to a repentant heart. And we pray that this week, as we go, that we would go in the strength of knowing that the judgment that is coming on the world doesn't have to be. And may we be prompted to apply that to our own hearts first. And then to share it with others this week, that you are the Redeemer. You are the one who has set us free from our sins and the guilt and the burden of our sin. We rejoice in you. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your redemption, your salvation. Lamb of God, we give thanks. And all God's people said, Amen.